It was about halfway through the Tour de France cycling race and the favourite, the Englishman, Chris Froome, had a good lead in the 28-day race. And then in the middle of this particular stage, it happened. Every cyclist's worst nightmare. There was a crash on a mountain climb, a pile-up of bikes, and Chris Froome was caught up in it all. He wasn't hurt, but his bike was a mangled wreck on the side of the road. His race was over. The dream of winning ended. But to the amazement of the onlookers and the commentators, he started running up the hill. And then someone offered him a bike and he started off again. However, it wasn't a suitable machine for a gruelling road race. And a little bit further on, another more suitable bike was offered. And he went on to finish the stage and then to go on and to win the Tour de France for the third time. It was a great example of perseverance, of refusing to give up, of overcoming great difficulties to finish the course and to win the prize. Now this is the very, uh, very much the subject of our lessons this morning. But this time it's, it's no cycle race or other sporting events. This time it's the Christian life. How do we keep on going? How do we keep on going to finish the race? Well, in our readings this morning there are two examples. One is negative and the other is positive. The first comes to us from the prophet Jeremiah. It's only a little cameo, but we get the message. This was a great problem for the people of Israel. They had started well. They'd been a a faithful bride, we read in verse 2. A nation holy to the Lord, verse 3. The first fruits of his harvest. But reading on, we discover that this has not continued. They forgot God's goodness how he had continually provided for them. They strayed from the one who had blessed them. They went to substitute gods. They forsook the springs of living water. The springs where their spiritual life had come from. And they built their own wells. But they were like leaking cisterns, unable to deliver what they promised. Israel had a good start, but a very sad finish. But it's in our second lesson we see a different picture. It deals with the same rescue, how and the same issue of how to continue and to finish the race. The previous 12 chapters of Hebrews tell us of Jesus, our great high priest, who has brought us back into relationship with our Heavenly Father through his sacrifice on the cross. But now our writer gives us some more practical advice about the way to keep on going to the finish line. The first thing he says is keep on loving, verses 1 to 3. Much of it is to do with our relationships with him 
with God and with others. You know, if you leave a cup of tea or a cup of coffee unattended, it will grow cold. And you know, that can happen with love. It starts out vibrant and strong, but left unattended, it grows lukewarm and then cold. And two examples of such love are given. And the first is the ministry of hospitality. It was a very high virtue in the ancient world and has never been more needed than today in the, the rush and the bustle of today's world. And it's not just a simple smile at the church door, although that's a start, but it's making time to talk, to sit down with people, to relax and to get to know them, and not just our own circle, but welcoming the stranger. And secondly, he talks of the ministry to prisoners. Not abandoning them, not giving up on them, treating them as somehow second-class citizens, but supporting them in their difficulties. Supporting organisations such as Kairos, uh, which ministers to people uh, in prison. And you'll see in your Sunday sign this morning uh, some details of, of, of Kairos uh, and uh, events that are coming up and how we can be involved in that. That's just one way we can help with prisoners. But also we can seek to minister to prisoners and their families through our courthouse coffee, another ministry that goes on to families and friends. But all of us, of course, if we're not able to be involved in those two, we can always pray uh, for people in that situation. So keep on loving is the first thing he says. Secondly, he says, be content. You know, it's been said that our age, this is verses 4 to 6, it's been said that this age of ours is the age of discontentment. Nothing satisfies. There's a restless search for something new, for something different, something that will give that extra thrill. People look for it in relationships, in drugs, in wealth, in adventure. The writer of Hebrews urges contentment in two big areas and then he gives a wonderful promise. Firstly, he urges contentment in the area of sexual relationships. No, no multiple partners, no casual experiments. Don't take something which is pure and beautiful and trash it. Guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy. It's been left in shreds by some sections of the media who endeavour to make us see all, read all and know all as if this somehow will bring us some sort of perverse thrill or satisfaction. Well, our writer is quite clear. He says, don't go there. It's a complete violation of the love and the fellowship he's just talked about. The second area of contentment is our material possessions. He says, don't fall into the money trap. It's a great cause of discontent in our world. Whoever we are, we're told that we deserve more. Everyone else is better off. Uh, make sure that we don't fall behind. You might remember Paul's words in Philippians chapter 4 when he says that he had learnt in all situations, to be content, whether hungry 
or well-fed, whether, uh, whether he's in lovely dwellings or sleeping under the stars, in plenty and in want. How can we do that? How can we be content in, those, in all situations? By remembering the great promise of verse 5. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. It was a promise that was first given to the people of Israel as they were about to enter the promised land. There were all sorts of hurdles and challenges that lay before them, but they were assured of his presence and his strength. He pledges his assistance. We may not enjoy materially as much as others, but to grasp that promise helps us to respond in the words of verse 6. The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Notice, by the way, that Paul said that he learned to be content. It wasn't something that happened overnight. How do we learn it? By holding on to these great promises and resisting the call to settle for something less in the mistaken belief we're getting something more. I'll say that again. To resist the call to settle for something less in the mistaken belief that we're getting something more. But there is one further great encouragement in all of this and, it's, and it's, uh, it really is actually the greatest promise and the greatest encouragement of all. In verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. He is unchanging. He is ever-reliable. He's not just some historical figure. He is the living Lord. He is risen from the dead and he can equip us with everything good, just as he has been able to do right down through the ages. He's utterly reliable. We can always trust in him. There's another important element of pressing on, which is often forgotten. We see it in verse 7. Follow the leader or follow the leaders. It's not a game to be played, but rather it's a pattern of life to be imitated or emulated. My mind goes back to the great list of the heroes of the faith back in chapter 11 of Hebrews. Abraham, Moses, Jacob, Joseph, Samuel, David, Elijah, the prophets. Uh, theirs is an example that we ought to copy. But you know, we shouldn't stop there. There are plenty of examples to follow right through to the present day. Francis of Assisi, Martin Luther, John Wesley, John Newton, Hudson Taylor, Amy Carmichael, Gladys Aylwood, C.S. Lewis. The list goes on and on. Men and women who served the Lord Jesus faithfully and who went on to the finish line. Now it's a great thing to read their stories to read Christian biographies because they are very, very encouraging. They weren't superheroes. They were ordinary people. They faced apathy. They faced disinterest. They faced temptation and opposition. They had failure. They had persecution. Sometimes there were seemingly insurmountable hurdles. Read their stories. See how the grace of God helped them through. And that will be an encouragement to us to keep on going. 
Well, time doesn't permit us to go into detail in verses 9 to 14, but nevertheless, it's an important point in pressing on. Don't get distracted from the basics of the faith. There were those who wanted to go back to the Old Testament systems of food laws and sacrifices. And our writer reminds them of the centrality of Christ's sacrifice. Don't be satisfied with anything less. Now today there are many strange and different teachings which are about and it's easy to get distracted. The world keeps on offering us luring alternatives. Don't look for the wrong city, the writer of the Hebrews says. Um, there are cities that are built here and will remain here. In other words, they're part of this material world and they are not, they are not going on. They are not eternal. As the writer, as the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer said when he was speaking of the National Church of Germany, a church which had sold its soul to Nazi philosophy and propaganda and indeed was going to a different city, he said of them, if you board the wrong train, it's no use running down the corridor in the other direction. Speaking of the faith, we need, so instead we need, we need the right foundations. And speaking of the heroes of the faith in chapter 11, our writer says they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. We are to identify with Jesus outside the city gate, even when that brings suffering and opposition. Well, we began with Chris Froome. He could have given up that day on the mountain. He could have said, my race is over. But he didn't give up. What can we do? What can response can we make as we think about the issues that these, these chapters raise? Again, the writer of the Hebrews gives us the clue in verses 15 and 16. How do we respond that all, to all that's been done for us? With the fruit of our lips confessing his name, telling of his greatness. And as the old prayer book says, we do it not only with our lips, but with our lives. Now, you might say to me, well, much of the content of this chapter is about ordinary, everyday stuff. Most of it isn't very spectacular or heroic. But you see, that's what perseverance and pressing on is all about. Plodding on day after day, living out our faith, responding to what Jesus has said and done, showing his care and his compassion to others, reflecting the character of the supreme giver, what the writer Eugene Peterson calls a long obedience in the same direction. But lest we think that it's some sort of hard grind or some sort of endless marathon, Remember what all those who've gone before us have found, and that is the great grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit is sufficient for us. Finally, when we stumble and we fall, and we do and we will, our Lord is there to pick us up. Our Lord is there to be with us. There are two great lifelines in our lessons today, and I want to finish with them. Firstly, the words of Peter in John chapter 6. When many were turning away, disenchanted with Jesus 
and what he offered. He asked the question of the twelve, do you, do you also wish to go away? Peter answers, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. That's our first lifeline. And then there is that great truth we've already looked at, that we can take with us whatever the life may throw at us. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today and forever. Let's pray. Father, we know that it's not always easy to press on. Sometimes we stumble. Sometimes we become disillusioned. Sometimes we become discouraged. Father, we pray that as we come to your word, that you will lift our hearts, lift our thoughts, lift our minds. We pray that we'll look to our Lord Jesus, the great author of our faith, and that we will find encouragement in him to press on and to keep going to the finish line, not through our strength, but through his, through the power of his spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.